Happy Magical Monday, milkers. Welcome back. The beer this week is called Brain Jelly, and this is brought to us by the wonderful folks of Ink Factory Brewing of Jacksonville, Florida. This is an imperial stout loaded with chocolate and roasted barley malt. And this has an ABV of 9.1%. Uh, it is lightly dry hopped with Cascade hops, and it is absolutely wonderful. If you are a fan of dark beers, you will absolutely love Brain Jelly. Ink Factory was one of my favorite breweries when we were in Jacksonville, Florida. It is absolutely amazing. A fully stocked coffee bar, even a lounge, and a kid's room with an arcade. If you are in Jacksonville, go check out Ink Factory Brewing and get some Brain Jelly right now people now let's get into the episode to the final reading of the gospel of the flying spaghetti monster What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Comcast. As always, I am your fucking amazing, gracious, glorious, goddamn host, Ryan. And joining me, as always, is Cody. This is is the last, hopefully the last episode we will be doing of the Flying Spaghetti Monster book. Reading it and experiencing the insanity and the crazy mind of Bobby Henderson. Of Bobber. Of Bobbert Henderson. Yeah, that piece of shit. It's going to be a long time before I repeat the words noodly appendage. Yeah. Or maybe not. It depends. We will see. Yeah, we were just talking about it earlier. I am definitely over it. <laughs> yeah. You know what? You know what? Uh, you know what Bobby Henderson's favorite uh, sea of the seven seas is? No. The pussy. <laughs> Good one. <laughs> Good one, good one, good one. Uh, Directly from the book. Not really, though. JK. All right, let's cut out all the garbage, and let's get into the real garbage. Yeah. So, starting on page 144, Pirates and Faith by Alexis Drummond. It has been a sad fact to Pastafarians globally that piracy is on the decline, this dis- this pleases our noodly lord, the flying spaghetti monster, and he has shown his di- di- his dick. He has shown his noodly appendage dick. Uh, he has shown his discontent by showering us with more and more natural disasters. This past year alone shows just how much we have uh, in- incurred his wrath from tsunamis and hurricanes and earthquakes. Not to mention the ever worrisome dilemma of global warming. But to those who are not well-versed in FSMism, it must seem a puzzle why our merciful and great noodly lord should choose pirates as his shepherds. To answer this question, we must look back to the days when these noble swashbucklers roamed the high seas. Pirates were a a a a superstitious bunch, and tales abound as to the creatures they encountered. One famous example is the myth that upon encountering manatees, pirates mistook them to be mermaids. In reality, our holy texts show undeniable evidence that mermaids are in fact real. But the flying spaghetti monster, 
in his infinite noodly wisdom has hidden them from us to express his growing ire, but I digress. So the FSM is hiding all the beautiful mermaids and throwing manatees out there to uh, downplay their beauty, apparently. Manatees are pretty beautiful in a like majestic water creature kind I'm of way. I'm a human manatee. Huh? I'm a human manatee. I don't know, man. I don't think you can make it. I don't think you make it out in the open water there. I can swim and float. That's what they do. Imagine seeing Ryan off the coast of Florida. They're fat. Off the coast. Off the coast of Florida. Hey guys, they're fat and buoyant. Going to Mexico. That's all it takes. You just gotta be. You just gotta be fat and buoyant. Going to Cabo. Mm -hmm. See y'all. See y'all later. Technically, I would call myself a human pickle. A human pickle. Mm -hmm. Why? Because I float anywhere. Just like a pickle. That's not it. Mm-hmm. Pickles no. float. Some pickles don't. Whole pickles. Whole pickles. Not sliced pickles. Tommy pickles. Do I look like a sliced pickle? Tommy pickles, some might say. I'm the human pickle. More important, one myth made especially famous by 20,000 leagues under the sea is maritime struggles with a giant squid. It is deeper. Some things become sus. Uh, Sorry. It is easy enough to take these claims at face value, but when one probes deeper, some things become suspect. That is what she said. For instance, for decades, the only evidence science has been able to offer are dead specimens. Why is it all of a sudden, after such a long search, that one was finally discovered, quote-unquote, alive? And what is a squid, after all, but a creature with many tentacles and giant eyes? The truth, we Pastafarians know, is that this first myth of a giant squid was the flying spaghetti monster revealing himself unto his chosen people. They were true believers in the power he held and of his noodly might, and so he granted them the rare and awesome opportunity of an audience. It has been speculated by many FSMist scholars that the first mention of an angry squid attacking a ship was in fact the flying spaghetti monster hugging the ship for its faithfulness. And a nearby naval vessel, which had been hoping to arrest these pious souls, mistook our noodly lord's loving embrace for a cruel sea monster rather than good and gracious flying spaghetti monster that he is. Yeah, well, I guess if it rips your boat in half and kills everybody yeah. on board. No. <clears throat> yeah, you get that, you know, you get that thing. He expresses his noodliness in the Pirates of the Caribbean movies, Davy Jones. Man must have a very, very high faith of of uh, of flying spaghetti monster to have noodles on his face. Yeah. As for this evidence allegedly found by scientists, we are of the belief that the flying spaghetti monster created the one living example of a giant squid as a test to see who was a true believer. For those without faith or the or whose faith was weak, the squid confirmed these myths. For those of us who wholeheartedly believe in the flying spaghetti monster, we knew that this was a uh, was merely a false messiah with nothing but hollow promises and an unusual smell. It is this later group who shall be truly rewarded for understanding that the noodly lord can create weird creatures like giant squids just as easily as he can plant evil uh, pl can plant evidence as a of a fossil record dating back what appears to be several thousand years as well as make them seemingly linked together in a systematic evolutionary process all dead specimens and infant specimens found of the giant squid are indeed bits of his noodly appendage 
that he has dofted, and by the miracle of him, they formed a creature similar to his shape, though nowhere near his perfection and beauty. Speaking of giant squids, have you seen the um, the never before seen like spider squid thing that's at the bottom of the ocean? It's like twenty thousand feet deep. Have you seen those pictures and those videos? I don't know. These um, if it was never before seen. How come they're talking about it's, it? They've never seen it before. Now. These, Until now, the, yeah, these marine biologists—a spider squid. I, it's not a spider squid. It's some kind of weird. You seen that spider squid? It's some kind of weird ghost, a, a phantom squid, or something like so that. So it's not real. No, it is real. They were at. They were like twenty thousand feet under, like in the bottom of the ocean, and it's dark as shit. And they're in. Uh, they have like the drone or whatever. They're swimming around to like find new fish species, something. And there's just this giant... It's a submarine, sir. Drones are in the sky. Anyway, there's just like this giant squid and its tentacles are hanging down like 30 feet. It's just sitting there. And it looks like a fucking alien. It wasn't a squid. It was a jellyfish. No, it was a squid. Whatever. That was a squid. It looks like an alien. looks like a fucking person standing there with tentacles. They've been to the bottom of the Marianas Trench, so... What did they find? Nothing. Darkness. The Fonz. Yeah, that's where he's been. <laughs> Go to Nicodemus. They found Nicodemus in the... In the yeah, they found a dead rat. They found a dead rat. He didn't die. He got smushed oh, by yeah. a cinder block. Yeah, he died the worst way. No, he drowned. <laughs> Could you imagine? He no, drowned. he didn't. He got smushed he by a cinder in, block. He drowned in mud. He got crushed by a rock. A big rock. Yeah. Could you imagine though? It's like they get to the bottom of Mariana's trench. It's just a dead rat. <laughs> How long has this been? It's like, what, what do you see? It's just a smashed rat. <laughs> it's, just a smashed it's just a smashed rat. rat. Bunch of rapping ass goblins down yeah, there. A bunch of rapping ass <laughs> goblins. <laughs> Yo, what up? Get out of my trench. Bro, make you get me a beer, wench. You wench. You wench. Yeah. Get your goddamn fucking claw having ass submarine out of here. I can't wait for October. You gotta mm. do it again. Yeah. Rapping ass goblins making an appearance. Uh, Back on tour. <laughs> they're not gonna, they're gonna, yes, they they're fucking gonna are. Goblins. Except they are the rapping ass goblins. Not just goblins. No, rapping they're gonna ass. be, they're gonna be goblins like from fucking, um, the Black Cauldron. That fucking thing. Hey, hey, what are you doing? Get back oh, here, pig boy. The, the Get one, back here, pig boy. The, the one that jumped everywhere? Yeah. Pig keeper. He didn't sound like that. What? He, he what? didn't sound like a... He didn't pig sound, keeper. He didn't sound like an Italian mother. <laughs> pig keeper. Bring me back my tomatoes. <laughs> yeah, pig boy. How would you like... How would you look back in the days? It's like, I keep pigs. Well, yeah, what else were you going to cool. do? Cool. I don't know. Well, you fight crime. <laughs> I sure do. Fight, fight crime. Fight crime. What's your profession? Fight. I fight crime. <laughs> fight crime. Fight crime. Fucking Sherlock Holmes. I know it's made up, but it's like, what do you do? I solve clues. It's like, oh, so I, I find I, clues. I see you're applying for. I see you're applying for a job at our industry here at McDonald's. Um. Our industry, <laughs> but I show here that like you haven't had a job in the you know you're 38 and you haven't had a job in like your entire career. What have you been doing? Fight crime. <laughs> I find uh, I find clues to solve mysteries. Yeah. What are you fucking Scooby Doo? <clears throat> I'm like an adult Hardy boy. Speaking of Scooby Doo, I guess there's gonna be this show called Velma, 
and it's like not for children. It's coming out like Hulu or Amazon Prime or something. Yeah. No, they got the horror movie with Pooh, the Pooh horror movie. Yeah. Pooh Bear horror movie. Yeah, that's already happened. It's called uh, Human Centipede. No. It's the Pooh horror movie. Ah, uh, good one. Get it? Because they no. shit in each other's mouths. Winnie the Pooh. Okay. They forcibly poop in each other's mouths. That's the thing. Like, gives a holy meaning to eat shit. Yeah. Yep. Back to the book. Now that we understand the importance of pirates, we must turn to the dilemma of the decreasing number of them in this world. True, where are many in uh, internet pirates bootlegging music and movies? Oh my god. But the overwhelming majority of them do not uh, garb themselves in the regalia mandated by such a noble title. While we FSMs cannot condone any illegality on the behalf of these individuals, we would like to take this opportunity to encourage any who partake in these activities to find appropriate attire suitable for their profession. In conclusion, pirates are an essential part not only of our own faith, but of the welfare of our entire planet. Any devout Pasifarian ought to don um, piratical regalia. You couldn't have fucked that up much. Much more even. Who knew that we were... Piratical? That we were... Piratical. Is that even a fucking word? Who knew that we were one parrot on the shoulder away back in the LimeWire days ah. of being a Popstafarian? Yeah, I believe they call them armchair mm. detectives now. What? Web sleuths. Huh? I don't know. Hackers? Yeah. No. They're just hackers. Uh, Lime, if you're... If you... When we used LimeWire back in the day, and then after that, FrostWire, you're not a hacker. You just... You just stole music. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You were just that guy that paid, charged $5 a DVD. You just got it from Pirate Bay. That's all you did. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, piratical regalia on all religious holidays, as well as when preaching the good word to those who have not yet discovered the saving grace of the flying spaghetti monster. After looking at this overwhelming evidence and being touched by his newly appendage, I can't imagine who wouldn't say a pirate's life for me. Yo-ho. Yo-ho, yo-ho, this book has got to go. Thank God. Are we going to burn it after we're done? <sighs> no, I bought it. I'm not fucking wasting <laughs> Why not? Burning books is what the Nazis did. I'm not a Nazi. Regardless of how they burnt history books. Somebody, okay, some some young toddler might mm. want to be like, hey, you got any cool books? I'll be like, yeah, here's a good yeah, one. Here's this piece of shit right here. Here's this it has a picture of a book on it. Here's a good one for beginners. <laughs> yeah. You know how they get you? They think you're going to get a nice hardcover book, but they actually just put a picture of a hardcover book on a the paper book. The audio book. The audio book came out not to like February or something. It's read by Bobby Henderson. I'm thinking about buying it. Oh, man. I'm thinking about getting it with my... Uh, I'm not going to buy it. I'm going to get it on my Audible credit. I wonder what it sounds like. I don't know. Probably a crazy person. But I'm thinking about using my Audible credit to listen to it. You know, it might be definitely more entertaining as preached by Bobby Henderson. Yeah, Probably right. because he might do like voices. Yeah. Sound like fucking Samuel L. Jackson. Mm-hmm. Oh, and yo, shout out R.I.P. fucking the late great Ray Liotta. May yeah. you rest in fucking pieces. Died in the fucking Dominican. In his sleep. Went out like a fucking, like a fucking gangster. With a belly full of rum. Yep. Yo ho. <clears throat> That's the thing. He was shooting a movie. So he's kind of like, um, whatever his name was, the Lee guy who got shot in the chest and died. Brandon Lee? Yeah. Yeah. And like that chick that got shot in but the face. But he didn't die of getting shot. He died of a fucking heart attack. Yeah. We don't know what he died of. Yeah, he did. He died in his fucking sleep. Being a fucking badass. Yeah. He's probably fucking his wife and just like... 
<laughs> fucking killed over. Probably. Like a pimp. Fucking, he will forever live in my memory as uh, Goodfellas, in the movie Goodfellas. I yeah, fucking well, love yeah. that movie. Goodfellas and then killing them <clears throat> softly. Mm-hmm. Got fucking shot in the face. Back to the book. Evidence of the Baker by J.R. Blackwell. If we were to walk along the beach together holding hands and were to find out our feet, uh, find at our feet a German chocolate cake, we would undoubtedly be surprised. Our shock at finding this seductive pastry results from the inborn knowledge that cakes, uh, cake does not rise from the sands unbidden, unbidden. A cake must have a baker. We understand that cakes do not simply appear randomly out of the void because of their form and complexity. If the frosting were removed or the butter replaced with tuna salad, what would we have before us would not be the delicious concoction that we call cake. What are you trying to get? What's the analogy here? First you need some flour. Then you need some butter and sugar. And you mix that fucking shit together. And then you put some chocolate in. What about cake mix? Oh, fuck it. Use that too. It comes in a box, but it's all together. If you find a cake on the beach... But like a cake's not. You fucking eat that shit. But a cake's not supposed to be on the beach. Then is it technically cake? No, you're <laughs> in the fucking matrix. Look for Keanu Reeves because you might be in the fucking matrix. Yeah, the cat walked by twice, or you find a dead rat on the in the bottom of the ocean. Yeah, Marion's Trench. Yeah, yeah. The Great Barrier Reef, just made out of plastic bottles. Probably, technically. Um, no, it's just broken. This glass. reminds me. This reminds me of the guy on TikTok. It's the sandwich guy on TikTok. It's actually really funny. You mean the he, time tra- the time traveling piece of shit. No, 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 no. It's the guy on TikTok. He makes sandwiches and he rolls a D and D die. Yeah, and makes sandwiches. And if the die the die chooses what he puts on the sandwich. That's what's making me think of this because he said tuna salad as the fucking frosting. Mm. It sounds. It's actually really fun. I, I get thorough enjoyment of. Like from it, yeah. This his, last one I watched it was suffering. This last one I watched it was tuna salad and marshmallow fluff and marshmallow fluff and bananas. Yeah, <laughs> disgusting. Yeah. <clears throat> so back to the book. So there had to be a baker for our cake. Uh, I think that's good. Nope. Uh, store bought. Fuck. Where did I end? There we go. The last page. I found it. The last it would page be, is where you ended. It would be burned, unfrosted tuna, and that would be disappointing. There had to be a baker for our cake, and further, since it is since it is a glistening, moist German chocolate cake. Well, we threw in moist and glistening now. We know what his favorite cake is. There must have also been Germans. Okay. Hey oh. <laughs> hey ho. Hi. Hi, welcome to Hitler's. Would you, would no, you like to try some chocolate cake? It's German. It's Ava's. Welcome to Ava's. Welcome to Ava's. Special for today is Burnley Juice French Toast with plenty of maple syrup. We have a house potatoes. We have a delicious German sweet. German chocolate cake. It's a burnt cake. It has a hole in it like my husband's head. <laughs> Definitely not full of dead people. <laughs> I got big bunch and I cannot lie. Thanks for stopping at Havers. <laughs> Come back soon. It's in the basement. Some may call it a bunker. Yeah. <clears throat> for we all also know that like cake, chocolate is not naturally occurring. Yes, it is. 
<laughs> it comes from the cocoa bean. I would know I'm Ava. So, chocolate must be created. <laughs> it comes from the cocoa bean. Chocolate must be created by Germans. People who have alchemetic power over the raw substance of cocoa. Hey, they do have some good... It's like Germany, Switzerland, and like fucking... Dove. And Austria. Dove. Maybe not Austria. Dove, the soap brand. Why does everybody eat Dove chocolate? It's the fucking soap brand. It's not the same. They put soap in it. They put microplastic pieces of soap in it. Anyway, yeah. Fucking Switzerland and Germany, good chocolate. Thus, uh, to make it into... uh, Whoop. People who have people. I think Willy Wonka is based in Germany. Honestly, what gave you that dead giveaway? I guess it's Gloop. He was from Germany. Yes, I don't. Maybe it was. In- I couldn't have guessed it. He was eating Polish sausages like they were going out of style. Yeah. We knew it had to be him. You know what the real story is? He gets he like gets in the fucking chocolate lake. It gets sucked up there and he fucking drowns. It's a river. It's not a lake. He actually doesn't get sent home. He fucking drowns. No, he doesn't. He survives. Oh, yeah, because he turns into a chocolate fish and breathes chocolate through his nah, fucking No, he gets sucked gills. up through the hose and he gets stuck. And then it just... They suck him up. And then they find him later. Turns out he drank mm-hmm. all the chocolate. Yeah. Yeah. What a piece of chocolate. So, there must also be Germans. For all of us know that like cake, chocolate is not naturally occurring. Chocolate must be created by Germans, people who have alchemic power over the raw substance of cocoa. Thus, to make it into divine element we know as chocolate. The process of making chocolate is a mystical one, as any process that creates such a delicious product must undoubtedly be. The creators of chocolate are almost as complex as the chocolate itself, and tracing this line of logic, we begin to comprehend that chocolate makers, Germans, must also have a baker. The majestic nature of chocolate clearly points to a mystical origin, and since the world is full of majesty, we suddenly understand that this baker must also be a source of great spiritual power as well. This world, which is infinitely more complex than cake, even if the cake is both German and chocolate, cannot occur out of chance. It must have a divine baker. There are levels of form and purpose that will not rise without the intervention of a baker, and the world is full of such mixed and layered forms. The most striking of these forms is that of a pirate. Nothing. What? Nothing makes me think of a chocolate cake like a pirate. How do you go from like Germans make chocolate cake, but nothing makes me think of it more than it's piracy. in layers, brother. It's like an onion. It's pirates. This is connecting. Okay, so uh, pirates are like German chocolate cake. They have layers. You know what else is like has layers? Onions. You know what, you know what else? else has layers Shrek. and onions? Shrek. Yeah. Therefore, pirates are Shrek. Mm-hmm. Shrek is a pirate. But we don't even have to finish the book. That's literally what it's getting to. You know what else has layers? Mike Myers is a pirate. That makes sense. It all all comes back around to Mike Myers. Nothing but the divine could have created such a glorious creature as the pirate, let alone a ship full of pirates. Pirates could only have been created by a divine baker who, with his wisdom, applied levels of logic and organization to the completed life of all existence. A pirate is made up of several distinct elements. His love for the sea... His uh, fanciful attire, his endless search for booty, and his parrot. The crea- the baker's gay. Huh? The baker's gay. No. Uh, that's what he said. He also like booty. Good attire, and they like booty. 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 
All right. So his love of the sea is complex for as he loves the lady of the sea, breaking her maiden head with his, which each thrust of his prow, he also scorns her as she brings him storms and danger. Weirdly sexual. Hmm. A pirate has fanciful costume, sashes, and golden rings that could have that could not have emerged from the void, but have a form and function made specifically for the body of the pirate. <laughs> you can't wear rings or sashes if you're not a pirate. His lustful search for booty borders on an obsession, an endless quest for the hidden uh, in uh, island that rumors uh, say contains a cursed treasure. It seems contradictory that a pirate would search for cursed treasure, That's but the clit. that it's the clit. But that in itself <laughs> is it's the clit. <laughs> that in itself is evidence of the divine plan for our baker. It all comes back around. So no, wait. So pirates are the baker. The chocolate is German. No, God is the baker, and He made the pirates because see, they need a baker to make pirates and. The pirates are trying to get some poos, eh? And then the treasure is the clit. This makes sense because, like, like Catholic priests, like, preach about how, like, you're not supposed to be gay, but they are gay, and they're, they're, they're molesters, so, like, it's all coming together. It makes sense now! <laughs> this entire book makes sense. Now. Bobby Henderson is a pussy hound. <laughs> and a perv. It just proves it. Pirates. Chocolate cake. Puss. 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 Chocolate cake. German chocolate cake from Germans plus pirates equals the clitoris. That, we figured it out. Yeah, we did. Two plus two equals 22. It's all fucking laid out right there in black and white. It's and actually sa- 69. It's actually, it's all laid out in sashes and golden rings right there. Chocolate cake from the Germans with chocolate and plus pirates equals how to find the clitoris. Mm-hmm. Even the parrot that sits perched on the pirate's shoulder is masterful. Is masterfully formed, a creature able to mimic the pirate's own words, lending an ominous weight to their meaning. Such a bird could not have been created from a process by which elements available in the primordial stew of a young earth experienced passing electrical currents that stimulated them to form a variety of molecules, including a self-replicating molecule which, over time, produced varieties that competed with one another for resources, becoming ever more complex through competition and mutation, some of which develop strategies involving cooperation for an advantage in the replication process, an advantage that produced an interactive whole that could have developed limbs for movement, light-sensitive cells that eventually became eyes, and bright colorful feathers that could be used to attract mates and thus continue the process of replication originated in those base basic self-replicating molecules of the primordial stew. And that entire fucking paragraph right here is one sentence and about 12 commas hmm. from here to here. Half the page. That was one sentence. Right, and the one sentence, behold, the shitty bird was born. Yeah. Able to replicate pirates' own words. Yep. Oh, glitterish. <laughs> No, that explanation is far too complex to be accurate. And moreover, I don't understand it, so it must be wrong. What I do understand is cake. Cake, which is booty. Yeah, which is that booty. Especially German chocolate cake. Them fucking cheeks, boy. Is scrumptious and was made by a baker. The theory of science speculates that the creation of things, there was a big bang. 
Could we not see this as a big baking? What of the baker? Who at the beginning of time baked all things, completed the mixing, and rolled out the word, giving it a warm center and crispy crust? Who was this baker, this elemental divinity, who created the world? Our only explanation for this baker is the flying spaghetti monster, the creature that mystically baked the world into being. It's Chef Boyardee. (laughs) (laughs) He rolled out the dough in the nice, creamy, fucking meaty center. It's fucking Marie Callender. (laughs) It's it's Betty Crocker. (laughs) Betty Pirate Cocker. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> Holy men with the gift of sight are able oh, to discern the teachings of the flying spaghetti monster. These holy men are good guys, not above lending a ten spot or buying a guy a beer. To say that they are wrong, that what they preach is not complete fact, is, is to say that they are evil liars, which I will not stand by and listen to you say about our holy men. Pirates. Pirates. A.K.A. the clitoris. Detectives. are you greasy bitch. <laughs> Scientists claim that the creation of Earth was something involving math or chemicals. I find math and the physical sciences to be irritating, and those scientists, none of whom have ever lent me a ten spot, are stuck-up jerks who are blind to the truth of the flying spaghetti monster. How many elephants had to die to make their ivory towers? Jerks. That's not what that means. <laughs> Their towers aren't made of ivory. Evidence of a holy baker is in our world, in the cake and in the chocolate. Scientists tell us that the world was a stew when I think it is clearly a layered cake. They have the stew idea and I have a theory that stands by cake. Who but the divine who was actually there could say which one of us is right? Cakes are made by mortal bakers. Chocolate is divinely mixed by Germans. And pirates are inexplicably complex. All these factors lead us to the conclusion that our world was created by the flying spaghetti monster. Who, in his wisdom, baked us all. Yeah. He just fucking fucking hotboxed us. That's the thing. Chocolate is trippy as shit, though. If if you've never uh, seen somebody make chocolate from, like, a cocoa bean, it's fucking weird. Because it's got, like, weird... Cocoa beans look like giant maggots. I know. Well, the cocoa bean doesn't, but inside it looks like it, and they just dry it out. The cocoa bean. And it turns into nuts. But anyway, we are going to take a quick pee break, and we'll be right back. Super quick. We pee fast. Hey, everyone. Just wanted to take a second to let you know about our official podcast store at thecomcast.com. Go check it out today, everybody. We've got everything you can think of from t-shirts, hoodies, stickers, organic tote bags, and even drinkware like coffee mugs and craft beer glasses. Go check it out today at thecomcast.com. Now let's get back into the episode. And we are back. Back to the book. A 21st century... Sounds so boring. Back to the book. Back to the book. I sound like Jocko Willing. Back to the book, A 21st Century Ontological Argument by Kevin Heinright. A classic argument for the existence of God is known as the ontological argument, henceforth OA. This argument was developed by Saint Anselm in the 11th century, but has been greatly improved upon in the ensuing years. The argument, in a nutshell, is that a perfect being must necessarily exist. 
It is part of the uh, very nature of a perfect being to be real. All beings that do not exist are definition are by definition imperfect. This is because it is better to exist than not to exist. That is, to exist brings you closer to perfection. So if we can merely conceive of a perfect being, then it must be, on pain of contradiction, be real. In a popular formulation of the OA, uh, or uh, ontological argument, we are asked to imagine a being of which no greater can be conceived. One might motivate this process by creating a list of perfections. Reasonably, such a list would conclude uh, omnipotence, omniscience, omniscience, uh, benevolence, being the creator of all reality, and so on. We are then asked to compare this list with one in which the characteristics of an actual existence have been added. Obviously, the second list describes a more perfect being. It is clear, then, that the first list was not a description of a being of which no greater than can be conceived. No matter what characteristics have been imagined, actual existence would be an improvement. Hence, whatever characteristics we attribute to our perfect being, being's existence must be one of them. While there have been many criticisms of the OA from Kantian metaphysics, to modern quantificational logic, we believe all such challenges can be answered. However, we do not have time to review the nuances of this debate. For more detailed information, please see plato.stanford.edu. Entries, forward slash entries, forward slash ontological dash arguments, forward slash. Traditionally, it has been argued, to be frank, it has generally only been assumed that the necessarily existent perfect being fits comfortably into the uh, Judeo-Christian mold. If you guys can hear, that's our neighbor's beagle (laughs) who barks at absolutely everything. Uh, So now surely any perfect being has the characteristics listed above. It is omnipotent, omniscient, omniscient, whatever, benevolent, and the creator of all reality. Here, here we have no quarrel with traditional. However, we will soon see that there are several other characteristics that have been overlooked or suppressed by, by philosophers and theo, theologians. During the last millennium, uh, we propose that a careful review of the reasoning behind the OA will indicate that rather the God of the Judeo-Christian tradition The OA indicates the existence of a mass of starchy substance capable of gravity resistance. Mm. Such a being must necessarily be, and so all denials of its existence involve blatant logical contradiction. We will begin our argument with an experience most people can share. When a young person moves away from home and goes to college, he finds himself confronted for the first time with the task of providing himself with necessities of life. For many, a college freshman, this provides a nearly unsurmountable task. While one can survive without paying the gas, electric, and phone bills, all living things require sustenance in order to continue to live. And what is the staple diet of the impoverished student? Ramen noodles, macaroni and cheese, and spaghetti. 
But it is not merely college students in first world nations who subsist on this food. The staple diet of large portions of humanity is starchy noodles. The unique properties of this foodstuff make it the most popular form of substance in all of recorded history. Noodles are high in uh, cal uh, caloric content, they are nutritious, and they are simple and easy pr to produce. Clearly, then, noodles are an objectively superior food. Indeed, noodles are the perfect food. We will demonstrate that our perfect being must be made of the most perfect food. Before we continue, however, a potentially serious objection must be met. Some will argue that because rice is a stable diet of so many people in the world, it must be the more perfect food. On the contrary, we argue that rice is a profoundly evil form of substance. The corrupting nature of rice should be evident to anyone who has taken seriously the 20th century battles against the evils of communism. This small, uh, deceptive grain has provided the fuel for millions of communist soldiers, communist spies, and communist infiltrators. What countries remain communist in the 21st century? China, Vietnam, and Korea come to mind immediately. Now, what food is most commonly associated with these nations? Certainly not spaghetti. The case against rice should be immediately clear. As a side note, this result should be more should be of more than casual philosophical interest. A central part of the modern struggles against tyranny should involve changing the eating habits of those living under oppressive re uh, regimes. Now, why must a perfect being be composed of the perfect food? The argument is surprisingly straightforward. Since food is necessary for life and life is more perfect than non-life, food is the fundamental substance or subterranean of all living things. All living things are made of food. The perfect being exists and because it is being rather than a non-being, such a very small rock, it is necessarily alive. But of what shall our most perfect being be made of? The most perfect food. Hence, the perfect being is made of some kind of pasta. Another perfection is gravity resistance. Modern science holds that gravity is a quote-unquote weak force. However, it is, uh, this, is clear, this, is, this is in clear contradiction to the evidence. Anyone who has ever climbed a flight of stairs, fallen from a great height, or hiked up a mountain can attest that gravity is a strong force indeed. The scientific elites tell us otherwise, but the contradictions in modern physics are evident to even the most casual observer. If gravity were a weak force, then surely the rotation of the Earth would cast us all into space. Does electromagnetism keep Mount Everest in its place? Even a child can see the contradictions here. Only someone with an overabundance of education could deny the evidence of their senses in such an absurd way. Contrary to modern physics, Physics, which is corrupted by naturalism, evolutionism, and anti-postism, gravity is the strongest force in the universe. Surely then a perfect being is capable of resisting the greatest force in his creation. Hence, our perfect being is capable of gravity resistance, that is flight. We hope this essay enables the reader to see the rationale, necessity of belief in the flying spaghetti monster. The truths of this world are not difficult to find and much effort and money could be saved if we were willing to accept the futility and error of so-called scientific reasoning and spend our time in careful 
Contemplation of his noodly greatness. Arg. Note. The arguments which demonstrate that a perfect being would require morals to dress as pirates are too obvious to merit inclusion in this essay. In this essay. This derivation is left for the reader. On the matter of spheres of meaty substance in the pasta matrix, we remain agnostic. One must not extend one's reasoning beyond what is available in terms of first principles and evidence. Some room must be left for faith. That's right. Getting deep into the starchy noodliness. A Corporate Proof of the Flying Spaghetti Monster by Scott Stoddard. I just celebrated my one-year anniversary with my current employer. Actually, I completely forgot, but they did not. I received a very nice, but god-awful, useless sterling silver keychain with the company logo. It's nice to be appreciated. It also got me thinking. If everything on earth is God's handiwork, then he really is the worst kind of micromanager. I don't want to believe that. Let's assume that God exists. Can't prove it. Can't disprove it. Doesn't hurt to think that there is an all-powerful deity with a corner office somewhere out there in the cosmos. Now, the universe is a pretty big place. It probably isn't a privately held company. I'd be willing to bet the universe incorporated years ago in a business model, God would be the CEO. That would make God accountable to the board of directors of the universe, Inc. Who makes up this board? What are their terms of office? And for that matter, would we as residents of the earth be considered stockholders of employees of the corporation? Let's assume employees. I know I've never received any dividends or letters of proxy. I think that everyone would agree that the earth is a dangerous place. Humanity is con uh, continually trying to destroy itself. Throw in a bitchy mother nature for her tsunamis, earthquakes, and hurricanes, and you have what any businessman would call a high-risk venture. So now, the main question is, would God, the CEO of the Universe, Inc., take a hands-on approach to the, certain, to, to the creation and management of the Earth? I think not. God being the smart CEO we all know he is, would most likely have handed the project off to a vice president for strategic development of the Universe, Inc., this would, of course, limit God's liability to the board of directors of the Universe, Inc. In turn, the VP, not wanting to be immersed in a corporate scandal, should, uh, should anything go wrong, probably had accounting uh, form a shell corporation called the Earth, Inc. and promoted some hotshot middle manager to oversee the whole thing. I believe that the Flying Spaghetti Monster is this manager. The FSM wanted to spread the wealthy brings over the sorry, the FSM wanted to spread the wealth, brings over some of his buddies who might be great guys to go drinking with, but who really aren't suited for managing an entire planet. This would explain famine, disease, suffering, and stupidity. Corporate uh, corporate cronism at its worth, at its worst. Don't you think this theory of intelligent design just fits together a little more soundly than God creating the Earth, Inc.? If we make it to another millennium without folding, do we all get silver keychains? Hopefully. A final note from Bobby Henderson and his staff. Is this the end? This is the end of the book, Thank everybody. Jesus. Dear newly converted reader, 
No. <laughs> I think I should probably switch up this a little bit. <clears throat> Let me take a sip of my matcha mint tea from TJ Maxx. <clears throat> it's a big moment. Dear newly converted reader. Dear newly converted reader. I think it's safe to say that FSMism is not only a groundbreaking religion, but the only one supported by hard science. This makes it probably the most unquestionable true story ever put forth in the history of humankind. And yet, we find doubters and naysayers galore, most likely in the form of evolutionists, ID supporters, and members of other religions. But we live in America, a country founded on, among other things, the idea of religious freedom. We have laws to protect people against religious persecution. In spite of these laws, you may encounter people who disagree with your right to miss school or work every Friday, to wear an eye patch in public, to talk like a parrot, etc. Your first step should always be to tell these skeptics a little about our beliefs. They may simply convert... Getting a little Irish there. <laughs> about our beliefs. <laughs> should have picked a better one. They may simply convert to FSMism, in which case you probably your problem is solved. But sometimes, not that easy. If, after learning about our religion, people still refuse to allow to, to express your constantly predicted right of freedom. <laughs> That's how Bobby Henderson would read it. <laughs> right to freedom of religion. Then you should write a letter. If you're in school, write a letter to the principal copying the superintendent of the school district as well as your local chapter of the ACLU. If you're at work, <laughs> write to your supervisor, copying the company's director of human resources, and again, forward a copy to the ACLU. <laughs> the important thing is to not sit back and let your rights be trampled on. To those hardened evolutionists, we f remind you that we're not saying evolution couldn't make, couldn't have happened, only is that it's the most likely a process guided by his nudity appendage. Mm -hmm. We now <laughs> we know that the FSM may be working behind the scenes to make evolution look plausible. We also know that he might not be doing so. That the flying spaghetti monster works in mysterious ways, and he definitely messes with stuff all the time, though we know not why. To the proponents of intelligent design, we offer you this olive branch. Pastafarians support your argument that only teaching evolution in schools unfairly discriminates against those with creation beliefs. We know about your efforts to develop a wedge strategy whereby you seek to keep the Bible out of the discussion for now. Instead, concentrating on establishing scientific quote-unquote evidence of a creator, Pastafarians see the wisdom of this approach. And we offer our own fork strategy in which we argue for the inclusion of supernatural explanations in science, thus opening the door. Shut up! So, I'm trying to read a book! So, uh, Bobby Henderson's trying to read a book! Sue, so, come here. Get over here! Come here! You're making a mockery of my final note from me and you my you staff! Sound like, you sound like fucking, what's his name, Xandar. Or whatever is it, is it Xandar, something it the it's Dan Aykroyd in Coneheads, you read like that. 
<laughs> now, where was I? Pasifarian see the wisdom of this approach, and we offer our fork strategy in which we argue for the inclusion of supernatural explanation in science, thus opening the door for FSMism to be taught one day. Quite simply, we are brothers in this effort. Everyone knows that theories aren't the same as facts, and there is little doubt that alternative theories must be taught alongside more established ones. I sound like Shorzy from fucking Letterkenny. The Canadian. Yeah. Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you, buddy. Your Fuck you, Riley. My, your mom sucks my fucking cock from upside down because she's a fucking back-sucking slut. <laughs> I will now read I will now read the rest of this like Shorzy from Letterkenny. Fuck you, buddy. <laughs> we pointed out too much supporting his evidence. Certainly enough to get Pasifarianism included in the curriculum alongside evolution and intelligent design. And when we turn our minds towards the world's greatest religions, we can admit that the other ones are pretty good. But ours is still the best religion ever. Why not teach all the theories and let the kids decide? We hope you've enjoyed our book. If not, we hope that you've at least learned something. If you didn't learn anything, it is our, it is our sincere wish that the gospel of the FSM made you think. If you didn't even look, if you didn't even have a thought, then there's no doubt that you're a born again Christian. In which case, we hope that you're able to keep off the crack long enough to get a vasectomy or have your tubes tied. That's what your mom said, Riley. <clears throat> okay, that last sentence was mean, and I apologize. Pulsifarians are a community of peaceful and open-minded worshippers, which means that anything we've said or done to offend people was meant only in the spirit of promoting greater understanding and awareness. Side note, including midgets, of course. Hmm. It has been said that the best sauce requires an occasional stir or two. Wiser words have seldom been spoken. And so, we have done our best to stir the waters of belief in the hopes of converting just a few more pirates to his noodly goodness. Raw men. Bobby Henderson. Prophet. And that is the end of the book. Followed by that is a couple of pictures of the giant, massive, heavenly beer volcano and the stripper factory in the clouds. We hope you all have enjoyed this reading of the gospel of the Flying Spaghetti Monster. We will see you all next week. Everybody, have a great week. Don't forget, read a good beer. Read a, read a good beer? Read a good beer review. Read a good book. Drink a good beer. I recommend Brain Jelly by Ink Factory Brewing of Jacksonville, Florida. Love you so much, everybody. Have a great one. And remember, when life gets hard, and life gets you down. You join a cult, I recommend the Cumcast pig milking cult. And you milk that pig, everybody. Peace! We out.